Hey, welcome back to the Breaking Bad Insider Podcast. My name is Kelly Dixon. I'm one of the editors on the new hit show Breaking Bad, which uh, airs on the AMC network. And I'm here today with my executive producer, Vince Gilligan. Hello. Yeah. And we're really lucky today uh, because we've got uh, one we of the, a big guest today. One of the actors. <laughs> one of the actors on our show, Aaron Paul. Hi, how are you? And the writer of this episode, Jay Roberts. Hi. Jay Roberts. Jay Roberts in the yes. house. <laughs> Vince and I wrote this. This, this was this was a treat for me because uh, Vince and I wrote this one together. So uh, it was a meeting of the of the twisted mind, romantic experience, <laughs> challenging each other. I can make my ex more twisted than you. <laughs> well, before we go on, let me just say that this is uh, episode number two hundred six. It is called Peekaboo, and uh, it was written, of course, by uh, Jay Robertson, Vince Gilligan, and I hope I'm getting that order right. Jay Robertson, Vince yep, Gilligan, absolutely, and it was directed by uh, Peter Medak. Peter Medak, very lovely man. Yes, he is. Peter Medak has directed a lot of television, a lot of great movies. Uh, the movie I most link him with is uh, the great movie The Changeling from, I believe, 1979, starring uh, George C. Scott and Trish Vanderveer and shot up in, I think, Vancouver. I was asking him all about it. It's a really creepy movie. If you all have not seen it, treat yourselves and, uh, and rent it. It helped with the creepiness of the house that we were in. It did. It was, it's, it's funny because in this yeah. episode we got that uh, the Spooge house that is <laughs> it's not as grand and big as the nasty, uh, but it's a little it somewhat <laughs> reminiscent, maybe kind of sort of. I actually remember him too from uh, two of my favorite shows, The Wire. He did uh, one of the wires in the first season, and uh, he also did a Carnival. So he's, he he's, he's such a lovely man. I, I think he's Hungarian, but he's still got. This accent, and he calls everyone darling. And yeah. Like, okay, darling, in this scene, before you kill the man, I just want you, darling, just to, you know, just think about what you are doing, darling. <laughs> so, I mean, we're going to jump right in here. The first thing we see in this episode is a bug. And, you know, I guess, Aaron, you can probably tell us a little bit about the wrangling. Yeah, I fell in love bug. with that bug. Yeah, yeah they had, they had a, a, just like a, what was it, like a Tupperware, like a Tupperware container with um, a bunch of bugs, and then they also had... Um, dead bugs as well that they our uh, onset props people were scouring the alleyways looking for just the right beetle and uh, and some no. some, <laughs> some some beetles were you know just would not move and then some just moved way too fast and um, and then the ones that they stepped on were the, the dead, already, already dead, dead ones yeah so. no in all seriousness uh, no bugs no were, beetles no, were hurt. no no beetles no were no, no beetles were killed the in this project episode. they actually did have uh, for various takes they had one one container that was filled with uh, Bugs that had gone on to the afterlife, and yeah. some other ones were. Sad story. You know what? We haven't talked in any of our podcasts about this uh, this really wonderful actor that you guys uh, hired to play Skinny Pete. Yeah, we should talk about uh, Charles Baker. You know, and you know Charles better than I do. Uh, he's great. He's a great he's guy. He's such a good guy. He is such an articulate guy. Yes. He is so he's so articulate. And then all of a sudden he doesn't know how to spell street. So um, well, I don't think that's the actor. <laughs> <laughs> so you know we 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 uh, we meet up with Skinny and uh, Jesse on the street corner. What's with that crazy shot looking straight up at those guys? That was yeah, pretty cool. That's actually pretty cool. You they guys shot that through a, a plexiglass. Mirror. Was it a mirror? Yeah, like a box. Is that what it is? Yeah. So basically, yeah. they point the thing down at this thing, and it's shooting up in a reflection. Yeah, it's you. like a, it's like this weird. I've never seen it before. It's the like, camera's actually ground level, shooting into the prism, which is then reflecting it. Oh, so almost yeah. like uh, like a periscope, almost when you look in and yeah, sort of something yeah. like that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, how did it work? The opening shot is uh, is you in the distance, and then a train goes by in the foreground. Jay, do you remember this? Did 
did they have a train schedule, or did they just they, know they, a train was coming? Or it was what? a lot of luck. Yeah, just a little they, bit of luck there. They yeah. did know, I and mean, we kind of had a rush, um, but it was only like one train while we were at that location. But they did, they did know it should be coming soon. Nice. And um, but I didn't think we were actually going to get it. Like, it should be coming in the next, like you know. Five to fifteen. Who knows? And Five to fifteen to yeah, thirty. And, yeah, exactly. And, and meanwhile, if you're ready to shoot, you, you know, then you're you can't do anything else while you're setting up to shoot that. So exactly. But there around. are a lot. Of, but we could hear it coming, and then we'd be trains coming, trains yeah. coming. And then hurry, hurry, hurry. Everybody, Come on, go, 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 try, go, go, go. Trying to get everybody in position. That's kind of everything. pretty yeah. much too late, though. Well, again, unless you already get the camera in place, I guess. So, um, you know, right after that, we jump into the uh, into Jesse's car, and Jesse is getting psyched up. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know what? This is probably a good time for us to talk about what I'm sure a lot of people are very curious about. What in the world are you smoking? Are you talking to the writers? Or are you talking to the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are you smoking? No. <laughs> that is a good question. What is, uh, you know, obviously it goes without saying Aaron is not smoking meth, although that's what it's supposed to be. You better not be. <laughs> I am absolutely what, not. What is that, Darren? It's, uh, it's sugar, actually. It's just chunks of pretty much like rock candy. Does it, it get you high? Um, it, it kind of, honestly, kind of, I mean, not that you should try this no, at no, home, that's people, just like a sugar high, but, you know, but not in a good way. Not it's, a, no, it's unpleasant. It's, yeah. It, it, it's disgusting and it doesn't, it does not taste good. I try whenever I'm, cause technically we're not supposed to show us, I guess, inhale the yeah, actual that's smoke. That's the rules right that now. we have actually yeah. on um, this show. Yeah. And so I try and keep it in my mouth, make it look like I'm inhaling, but let it just kind of float around inside my mouth and then. Just slowly exhale it so it looks like it's coming out of my lungs. But sometimes it does, you know, obviously go into my lungs and it's really bad. It's and really we, harsh. And we try not to. I mean, Aaron is a real trooper. We don't want to abuse the uh, his 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 good nature here. Uh, and his because, health. And and God knows we don't want to <laughs> endanger his health. Thank you guys. Uh, so we we're trying to keep these kind of shots to a minimum. Yeah, that that, uh, that was a concern during shooting yeah, was, yeah, was they, not not to force him to. Yeah, take. I remember uh, when when I saw the shot. Um, I might have said this in a previous podcast. I'm not sure, but uh, our show shoots in Albuquerque, but our post production is done in Los Angeles, and so in editing, we usually get the footage that they shot about a day and a half later. So by the time I saw the shot. Uh, and could raise the red flag but saying, you know, guys, we may have a problem with uh, some of the inhaling in this shot. Uh, they were moved on, you know, to the next location by like a day. And when you talk about a problem, again, to, to amplify on what you were talking about a minute ago, we're a basic cable show. We get away with a lot of stuff content-wise that a network show would never get away with. Network show, you couldn't do a network show, period, about a protagonist who cooks crystal meth. To, to be, let's start there. At least now. Let's just be honest. But, let's just be honest. But, uh, you know, we get away with certain language and, and sexuality and whatnot. But oddly enough, with all the stuff we do get away with, one of our rules is it's okay to show Aaron or anyone else in the show exhaling illegal drugs until the cows come home. But I don't know why. I don't know where the rule comes from. It seems kind of like uh, cutting hairs in a, a way I don't quite see the point of. But... Uh, yeah. But yeah, again, and try, don't uh, the, the sugar thing. Aaron is a trooper, to, and he not, he does not inhale it, or he certainly tries. For not anybody to. who may be thinking about yeah. it, I've I've seen Aaron accidentally inhale it, and it does not look pleasant. Yeah. So yeah, and we're, we're going to try to keep that to a bare minimum because yeah. it's a really. Uh, it does not get you high, and it is not worth doing. Anyway. Um, so then, uh, basically, I guess we can jump right into the the spooge house. Ooh, uh, you yeah. guys, you guys need to tell me though. We're you so know, lucky to have Aaron here. Period, because uh, totally. any any episode would benefit from him being here talking about it. But this one in particular, this really is Jesse's episode. Yeah, this definitely is. is. Yeah. 
Um, but you guys get start at the at the beginning in the writers room when you guys were kind of conceiving these two new characters, and uh, and this this name the Spooges. The Spooges. The Spooges. The three Spooges. <laughs> I'm trying to remember, uh, Vince. I know because the Spooges first appeared at the end of 205, and I'm trying to remember if when we first thought of them, if they were initially going to be as, as integral as they ended up with in, in, in 206. Do you remember? Yeah, I believe they were, and luckily this was us planning ahead in a good way because if we didn't know back in episode, because, it, it, you know, you folks watching it, you, you may or may not remember this Mrs. Spooge is the lady who says to Charles uh, Baker, uh, cops, and then she leads him into a trap. The oh, end of episode, episode five, 205. 205. Yeah. Dale Dickey plays. Uh, D- D- yes, Dale Dickey is, is Mrs. Spooge, uh, for lack of a, of or a real Spooge's name. Or Spooge's woman. Or Spooge's yeah. woman, That's how or Spoojet. <laughs> he calls her in moments of passion. Anyway, and then she leads him in episode five to a uh, ambush where Spooge, David, played by David Urey, uh, holds him at knife point and takes all his dope, takes all his money. And yes, I think the answer to the question, uh, Jay, was that we were lucky enough to know that we wanted to have a uh, big, uh, not coming of age, that's not the right word, but we wanted Jesse's character to sort of be bullied by by Walt's character into, you know, taking care of business, quote-unquote. And so, because uh, otherwise, if they'd been one-off characters, we would have hired, you know, perfectly good actors, but not to the caliber of acting ability as David Urey and Dale Dickey. Because we brought them both in from, I believe, Los Angeles. Yeah. And, and we don't do that lightly because uh, it's very expensive to bring actors in from Los Angeles. I mean, we do it all the time, but we do it for, for major roles. We don't yeah. do it for tiny one-line roles. And they're fantastic. They are fantastic. They really are. Uh, Dale Dickey, Mrs. Spooge, is a semi-regular, I believe, on My Name is Earl, plays the town prostitute, uh, I believe. I, I would, uh, <laughs> along those lines, just like to say that um, our casting people, both in uh, Los Angeles and in Albuquerque, scour for the talent because our our core cast they are like killer and if you are standing toe to toe and going with them if you can't bring it you'll just get bowled over so that's true um it's extremely important that uh when our casting people are looking for folks they've got to be able to throw down with our people well you found actually uh you know when i read this this episode um I I loved it, but I was like, are they out of their minds? Because not only do you have a child, you have a four-year-old child. Uh, that's who, what the director who, said, too. When, who's got to yeah. do this role, and he has one line, yeah. but you're asking him to ignore every single thing around him. And I was there like, were two of them. This is a great script, <laughs> yeah. but you guys are out of your mind. And yes, he is played, little Spooge, he is played by uh, a set of twins. Yeah. Brandon yes. and Dylan Carr. Brandon yes. and Dylan Carr. Yeah. Great little kids. And it's just so sad. They're so sweet. But you see all this, you know, this makeup that makes it look like they're just so unbelievably And filthy. the costuming. Costuming The costuming also. was brilliant. And how and, dirty um, they are. And yeah. I they love, had to put the snot in their nose. You put them in a little, <laughs> these little nasty underwear. And oh, it was just No, that edible. was his underwear. He came in that underwear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, Surprisingly we, enough. That was he didn't it. have any yeah. snot, but he had dirty underwear. And we, we, we didn't allow him to change <laughs> his underwear so for That was so pitiful, weeks. you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a sweet little boy, and 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 Aaron got to Jesse and the little boy are. I mean, he's like a father figure. It's only it's the only time. Well, the first time, maybe who knows what the future will hold. But it's the 
first time we've ever seen Jesse as a as a real big brother, or, or rather, I, I like prefer to think of it as a father figure. And yeah. You, so you really obviously had a rapport really with that little boy. Yeah, absolutely. And I I have uh, you know twelve nieces and nephews back in Idaho. That's where I'm from. And so I just, I absolutely love kids. Dylan was kind of, he's kind of energetic, and he was talking to a lot of people. Brandon was more of the, the shy, inter- introverted type kid. You know, completely different personalities. But um, Dylan, so sad when, um, you know, woman spooge, Mrs. Spooge, hits me in the back of the head with uh, a bottle. With the bottle. Yeah. You know, I, I'm letting him know. I'm letting him feel because the bottle is like a fake, you know, rubber bottle. I'm letting him feel what it's, it feels it's like. Believe. It's make believe. Yeah. And I'm like, it's not going to hurt me. I'm, and I was like, just testing it out in my head. And he, he was just kind of playing, like laughing, you know, smiling, whatever. But when we actually do the take, because I fall down and I try and look at him right away, saying like, I'm to show him that I'm smiling because the camera's just on his coverage. And um, but you see the true genuine fear in his eyes like he's sad for me yeah. he like really thinks that I'm hurt when we were cutting that I remember um, we tried a lot of ways to cut that part and in the in the final one I think the last shot is that shot of the little boy yeah, and, and yeah. he looks so sad, looks so it was, sad. and his hand goes up to his own head as if in sympathetic yeah, yeah it's like oh ow that yeah. hurts it was precious he he really you know both the, the twins they were both so so cute but just pitiful but I'll say uh, from being there that that didn't come without uh, a lot of I won't say it's a lot of effort, but on on Aaron's part between takes, he he Poor just God. gravitated right towards the kid between takes. He, he did not take his attention off of whichever twin we were working with at the time. You know, he played with them, he interacted with them, he practiced the peekaboo with them. You know, he kept the kids interested, and that's that's the chemistry that comes off is that the effort that Aaron did, you know, off camera to really build something with the kids. And also the kid's mother was there. and She said she went to great lengths to make sure that the kids knew it was make-believe because Mrs. Spooge is kind of creature-esque. Creepy, scary, so we didn't man. Know, we didn't know how <laughs> and, the kids were going to react. Yeah, not yeah. in real life. Dale's actually a very lovely uh, But woman. in makeup. In, in the, the makeup. That's yeah, makeup. That's all yeah, makeup. In the yeah. makeup. Was yeah, just... so we, we, we weren't sure how the kids were going to react. When you're working with the kids... Um, a lot of times the the camera guys, uh, the director and the camera guys, usually what they'll do is they will rehearse with the kids, but they'll roll the camera. Yeah, yeah And sometimes smart. they'll do a lot of uh, stuff before they even call action, uh, sometimes even before they crack the slate. Because a lot of times some of your best moments with kids will come in those times when they are not acting or they're not oh, yeah. you know um so naturally so, they get tired very quickly yeah right? they do they get they get tired and you basically have to watch you know and you cannot blink when you watch their takes you have to watch for every single nuance that yeah. the kids give you um and when this with this little boy especially i mean he was really great basically the things that are in the episode are really like these little tiny nuances, you know, anytime he would shift his eyes. Because this kid, he was not supposed to notice. Well, I think he notices them there. It just yeah. it means nothing to him. It there's, means nothing. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of used to having weird, strange people in his house, I think. And yeah. It was so great when, you know, and that, that was Dylan doing that scene. But he, he would just sit down on the couch, maybe kind of look at me, but then he's just watching the TV. And he, every single, pretty much every single day, he just started playing with that piece of tape. Yeah, that was like, a great touch. Which Vince loves. I love that, and I wondered if, uh, if you or if uh, Peter Maddock had suggested that he do that. No, actually, you know what? He started doing it on his own. Okay. And um, there was one point Peter was trying to get him to stop. And there was at one point Peter was trying to get him to stop because 
I think, and, and his, and, you know, from a director's standpoint, like... Well, it said that he was just looking straight ahead. He, yeah, said, looking straight ahead. And then, you know, if he was, like, playing with the tape in one, you know, one take and then yeah. wasn't playing with the tape in one take, he right. wanted to try and make him not play with the tape. Well, so you, like, you, and you do need to together. match. You, you need to yeah, try and get him to match. match but and I, I love thought that worked, bit, though. worked perfectly. But if you yeah. hear the, uh, yeah. the, the production soundtrack, you can hear Peter go, okay, Dylan, darling, stop playing yeah. with the tape, darling. Yeah, and then when, uh, when he finally can uh, speak to Jesse, you hear Peter Maddox saying, you know, okay, now look at him, now say your line. And at one point, I knew just by watching, I said, oh, he's tired. Oh, yeah, and, he And at he one point, he, he does yeah. say, I'm tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You definitely have I'm tired of this game. <laughs> this is stupid. Um, <laughs> what are we doing? Tired. This place smells. <laughs> and it did, didn't it? Uh, it did talk, about, talk about you got to talk about that, you guys. Oh, because this is a real house they were This in. is a real house, and uh, 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 uh Older woman lived there with how many cats and dogs? It's well, like someone crazy, like fourteen herself. or fifteen it was like cats. Fourteen or fifteen cats and, and like, a lot of dogs. You know, and the Spooch House. Um, what what was the nickname um, when we were shooting? The Ramshackle. The House. Ramshackle House. So we we called that location the Ramshackle House, and we were there all week. And um, it's supposed to be an absolute meth den, and uh, we kind of had to clean it up a little bit. That, I mean, uh, there right? was there was some debris and aroma. Yeah, and the, the aroma we it's could too not. Too bad you couldn't film that aroma. Well, no, yeah. no, and to be fair, I mean this this place, uh, you know, you pick a place because it it reminds you of what you're gonna get eventually. Yeah, exactly. But 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 I haven't said that. It, it, it's not. Not quite that messy in real life, although uh, <laughs> she's a very sweet lady who owns the house, by the way. But she does have a lot, an a lot of inordinate number of animals. Yes, yeah. let's just say, very sweet lady though. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. lots of landmines in the backyard. If you know what I'm saying. You guys got to tell me. And I know just from knowing you, Vince. I I know that this must have come from you. Is the knife show? Oh man, that's my favorite show. <laughs> The knife show. No, the knife show. You know, I I uh, I I've watched TV like uh, the uh, the ADHD person that I am, and I just I'm flipping around all the time. And the knife show is a real show, and these two southern guys sell knives. You know, until the wee hours of the morning. And like big swords, don't they sell swords, like big yeah. swords? <laughs> yeah, these guys are great. They're just, and one guy's always yelling to the other guy, "Oh my God, you can't sell it for that cheap! Are you insane?" We have here the katana. We have here the butterfly, the Rambo, the Bowie knife. Oh my God! How are we gonna sell it for this price, Steve? You know, or whatever his name what is. What was it like getting clearance for that? I mean, how'd you get? Did you guys? Yeah, get, no, those guys, you guys are get cool. Them, really? I mean, I didn't. I didn't do it personally. Uh, Diane Mercer and and. Uh, and Andrew Ortner, our, Andrew our, our post supervisor, Andrew yeah, Ortner. I'm a blank there for some reason. Andrew Ortner, I think, particularly got on the phone with these. I don't know if he got on the phone with them directly or their company or whatever. But now those guys are very cool about uh, letting us. Sh- I mean, their show is a hoot, and they sell a lot yeah. of cool knives. And so, I think you know. you know, I think all of us can absolutely relate to you know late at night these infomercials come on. And it's not even like you're planning on buying a giant samurai sword, but you're like, I'm going to watch this <laughs> oh, for the yes, next I hour am. and a half. And then you actually think of it, you're like, you know what? I I could absolutely afford this. You never you know? know when you're gonna need a sword. You're never gonna need a sword. But I Vince, just thought, Vince, oh, you never know when you are. Oh, oh yes, I know. <laughs> you know. Vince walks around the writers' room swinging a sword, yeah. and until we come up with an idea, the sword gets lower and yes. lower and lower. Yes. Like somebody think of something. Chop apples in half on top of people's heads. <laughs> you know. But, but I, uh, I thought it was very cute that, uh, or very cool that uh, that that's the only thing on that TV. 
That oh, whole great. that TV that has those rotary yeah. dial. I mean that rotary um, yeah, channel know, changer that we haven't what, seen in years. What, what I grew up with as a kid, we had three channels in Farmville, Virginia, growing up, and you had to get up out of the chair and turn the <laughs> dial. And yeah. I remember when remote controls came in, it was for the rich people. Why would you need a remote control? What kind of fat, lazy? Who needs a remote control? Especially if you got kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just stand there. Yeah, the kid is your remote control. Yeah. So then uh, we uh, we actually get uh, where the little boy he looks over at Jesse and he says, "I'm hungry." Yes. Oh, when I read that, and like I was talking to Vince before I even got the script for uh, Peekaboo, and he's like, "You're gonna really love this uh, this next episode." You know, it's like a big episode for Jesse, and um, he kind of you know put in a little hint that has to do with the a little boy and. I'm like, wow, interesting. What is this? And uh, when I read that, and then he, the little boy turns to Jesse and says, I'm hungry. I was just like, oh, my God. This script is going to be insane. I think there's something I know when uh, in, in writing it and something to keep in mind. If you saw the earlier episodes, you know that Jesse is he's his middle class kid. So with a little this, brother, too. With he a little, little brother. brother. Yeah. You know, he's got a little brother. So there's this, there's this dichotomy of, of who we see of Jesse that we know now. But he didn't grow up, you know, to become what he is. So even Jesse's humanity, which is still there if Walt lets him retain any. But, you know, for him to see a kid growing up in that kind of squalor affects him more than if he had just been, you know, that kid who grew up the same way and maybe became a hard ass or something. You know, it's, yeah. he, he still got the humanity of Jesse Pinkman Absolutely. buried in there under the meth haze. Somewhere. So what does he feed him? Fluffernutter. Fluffernutter. On a hot on dog white, bun. On, on white bread. <laughs> that is good. On a hot dog bun. You're, so right. You're right. That is good eating. Well, we fed him a lot of espresso to keep him awake. Too, so. <laughs> is that correct? But wait, there were two of them, so, you know. No. Yes. <laughs> well, the other one we had tranquilizer, so we could, we need, no. yeah, the other one sleeping we were cutting. I gotta tell you, I mean, I'm getting a little silly here, as I tend to do. Uh, but uh, really, it has to be said, he's an adorable couple of little boys. You know, obviously we hire twins. There are actually very strict child labor laws, and good for that, but they can only work uh, three or four hours a day, or, yeah. or not even that. Each, so, right? Each? I think it's three hours, right? Three, three hours, hours individually, so... Yeah. So but you get six hours of so you stretch them out when you get two. You get the ability to shoot six hours if you hire twins. Uh, and also you get the added uh, extra safety net of... You know, a four-year-old who doesn't want to do something is not going to do it. And there's nothing we can do to change their mind. So if one is in a bad mood, you have at least the other one. But but all of that uh, to say that, uh, you know, it's very tough on the director directing an episode like this with children. Peter Medak did a wonderful job. But it's also, it should be said, you know, this kind of an episode, Jesse in this episode is front and center for most of it. And Aaron had his work cut out for him. He has to get all these emotional moments right and do some very hard work. It would be hard in any episode, but on top of that, he's really helping. He's not directing the little boy, but he is, in fact, helping Peter to direct the little boy by saying to the little boy, everything's going to be look okay. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. He's, he's quietly, sometimes we're on the back of Aaron, and he's saying, you know, look at me, I'm going to do this, and he's saying he's giving him little bits of, of help and aid because this this is a child who all he understands is make believe and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. probably can forget very quickly as Aaron said when you get hit in the head with a fake bottle it's not and make-believe. it it gets very very tedious on a set I mean very tedious for a little boy yeah, especially you know they they're doing it over and over yeah. and I think that uh, Aaron learned it because that's how <clears throat> Ryan talks to Aaron on set he's like, look, <laughs> look at me look at me look at me look at me, me. Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can eat. Do you want a piece of apple? Stop messing with the tape. Stop staring at the lights. But everything you see from the kid. this piece of apple. Everything you see from you know the little boy is it's all one hundred percent genuine. You know, it's so honest. That's what's so great about it. He's not. He's not acting. Uh, Aaron is acting. Uh, Mrs. and Mrs. Spooge are acting. They're trained actors. The little boy is just being a little boy. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and so quite a lot of that performance is Aaron. So my hat's off to you, man, because you had a hard he definitely you had a hard job to begin yeah, with. You, you, worked, you, got, you worked on that one. You worked on this one. Uh, and there were, there, there, there were a lot of takes when Aaron picks the kid up from the, the kitchen table and runs into the other room where the kid was laughing. Yes. Because oh, yeah. he, he thought it was, fun. It was yeah. fun. Yeah, he thought it was like, fun. Like I'd pick him up and, you know, like my... Uh, my hands would kind of get under like his little like armpits, and he thinks it's funny like me grabbing him and running across the, across the kitchen to the other room. He just starts laughing, but I'm like, this is not a a laughing matter at all. Well, both Brandon and and Dylan did <clears throat> great little guys, and they did a wonderful job. Yeah, yeah. let's talk about Dale and, uh, and, Mr. and Mrs. David. Mr. Mrs. come yeah. home. Oh man. <laughs> so you know, I hate to admit this, uh, and I've been saying a couple of these podcasts. I was I was busy here when the writers' room most of the season. I, I got out to the set not nearly as much as I would have liked, and not nearly as much as I did season one. So I never actually met Dale or David. Oh, but really? I hear they had a great time. I hear they're just great <clears throat> folks. Oh, they're so great. Do you enjoy working with them? Yeah, I loved them. I mean, first of all, so unbelievably talented, and they just fit the roles perfectly. I mean, I, the first time I met them was uh, when they already had all their makeup on. I'm like. Oh my God! They look funky. They are oh, yeah. wrecked. They are wrecked. But I, 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 I this episode was—I mean, it was, it was pretty intense. But it was so much fun and good. Oh, you know, before I forget, because I want to say, and I've been meaning to say this in a couple other of these podcasts. Uh, again, talking about uh, Dale and David, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Spooge. They are absolutely perfectly normal, healthy-looking people in real life, and the reason they look so nasty. In this episode is because of our two wonderful makeup artists who are on our crew, uh, Frida and uh, Corey, who do uh, wonderful, wonderful work. Uh, these two, all the sores and the scabs, and the Frida and Corey do just. I miss great. you guys. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. man, they're so good. You gotta, you gotta tell us about the, this little infamous thing where, uh, what is it, where, where he says, "Okay, turn around." Pull it out of your butts or whatever. Oh, right. When I'm trying to get, you know, obviously trying to get my, my drugs back or at least like cash and uh, they empty out all their pockets. And when I read this, I was like, okay, turn around, pull it out of your ass. I was like, what? All right, this, this is going to get changed. Like, yeah. Let me just see. And I'm like, no, it's not staying in there. I love it because, and- you know. You know what I love too is is when you reach down to to pick up this car, you you put you put the the arm of your jacket over your yeah hand. over my hand I'm not touching yeah, that I am not yeah, touching yeah. that no it would have been really funny is if like the actors just for the hell of it really had it up their butts no they did oh, they did, they did. No, they did. <laughs> like, we don't you don't have to do that they're like no we, yeah. we want we're to. method we're actors method. it's method this is literally method actors. this is the way Brando would have done it it's the way I do it yeah no, I, I, I don't want to make this too one sided for Jesse I mean. It's wonderful that we have Aaron here, but uh, we can't forget that Walt actually goes through um, a couple of scary moments in this episode, too. Uh, yes. Jess, Gretchen just happens yeah. to show up on his driveway, oh, I mean, yeah. his doorstep. Yeah. Like, oh, Jessica Hecht, no. who is our wonderful actress who plays Gretchen Schwartz, who uh, has she's been amazing. A, she's great, and she is uh, 
the wife of Adam Bernstein, who's directed uh, four of our episodes now. But uh, she did a great job. And she's driving that Bentley. That was a, What was the deal with that, uh, Jay? It was a big deal getting that Bentley. Wasn't it was it? a big deal getting the Bentley. Um, and nobody could touch it, is what I heard. Nobody could touch it. <laughs> Stu Lyons, our, uh, our UPM, who's in charge of the money. I, there was one point where I was thinking of calling him <laughs> and saying, you know, Peter couldn't get the shot without taking the doors and the windscreen off of the Bentley. But I figured he was going through enough stress. Um, but Jessica, <laughs> Jessica was because uh, this was a rental. It should be this is a what was, is a hundred eighty thousand dollars car. Say, yeah, I, yeah, I'm just guessing. Maybe it's more than that. Yeah, I think they're think they're like two twenty. I mean, maybe they're two twenty. Didn't they have to like bring it in from another state because yeah. all of New Mexico didn't have a single Bentley? They they right? they, they trailered it in. Um, people were very careful around it. Transportation guys and, and Jessica are the only ones who actually got near the car. Yeah, it was too expensive to mess around <laughs> Don't with. touch the car. <laughs> Don't even look at the car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, I want to bring up uh, this conversation in uh, in the restaurant with Walt and Gretchen. Oh. Vince and Jay, basically. You know, you guys wrote this amazing, amazing scene where, uh, obviously, this is Walt's probably – one of Walt's nightmares, certainly not his worst nightmare, but this is one of his nightmares, and oh, he's yeah. having to face her. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, how did you guys come up with, with all that stuff? I mean, you, you give us a little bit of background in that scene on uh, on their relationship, not too much. The thing that you always say, you know, which which you'll find, there are a lot of through lines in, in the story which are by design, and one of them uh, that Vince uh, beats into us as we're, we all have electrodes on us and we say something wrong, you get zapped. Yeah. Um, whenever you come into a conversation, you don't need to know everything that's being discussed. As if if someone walked into any given conversation, people having the conversation have information that someone just listening in might not have, and it gives the audience an ability to catch up and fill in holes themselves, and it, it makes it more interesting by not spoon-feeding information, and that's what, Kelly, when you said we got some information, but not all. Mm-hmm. There's enough. There's enough of a skeleton there where you can put together, you know. Yeah, and, and I will say this: I do remember um, Brian Cranston and Jessica Hecht calling me the night before that scene was shot, and this doesn't happen too often. Uh, I wish I did get to talk to Aaron and Brian and Anna and Dean and Betsy and RJ more often. Unfortunately, they're working so many hours every day and working so fast, and we back here in Burbank are working so fast trying to get a lot of work done in the little amount of time that we have that uh, um, we don't get to talk as often as I'd like and we don't get to discuss the way a scene was intended to to be, what the emotions are, what the background is. But that was a very long and involved and important scene, both for this particular episode and also for the, uh, the, the series in general, that luckily I got to get on the phone with Jessica and Brian together, the three of us, on a three-way conversation for... We probably talked for an hour and a half about what the real background story is between these two characters. And having said that, we talked about some stuff I had in mind that's not necessarily on the page there, but it's uh, stuff that I think is in the, the background of their relationship, but stuff that the audience can either guess at or not know. But it's you know it's one of those things where the actors, if the actors know what their precise relationship is then the dialogue as jay just said can hint at it we the viewer can sort of do the math and put two and two together but uh it just it feels real and and as jay said it feels like you're sort of uh a fly on the wall overhearing 
a conversation. You're not going to catch every last bit of the, you know, the, the details of, of what happened in the past, but you definitely get the gist of it from that scene. And it's a really powerful scene, really well acted by both of them. Did a wonderful job. So, Vince, do you want to talk about um, how we ended up with the FU? Yeah, at the end of that Gretchen and the Walt scene in the restaurant. Well, you know, uh, I hear through the grapevine, Kelly tells me a lot about how folks are out there in TV land kind of scratching their heads sometimes about why we bleep certain words and and don't bleep other words. And (laughs) very good questions. I don't blame you for asking them. Uh, It gets more complicated in that last season we were allowed to, to... dip or bleep certain words. Uh, This season, uh, AMC, the company, the network that we make this show for, thinks that the dipping of the words is is a little distracting, so they said, no more of that. You get uh, get four. (laughs) This is odd. This is the way. Sorry for all the sensitive ears that may be listening, but you can either say shit or asshole or some combination of that four times. You can say damn or hell or whatever as many times as you want. You can't ever say the F word. That's this season. Last season we could we could say the F word twice, but it had to be dipped both times. It, it gets very arcane, very, very... And very meticulous. I mean, we, they have whole departments at, at networks that count these things. Yeah, to be fair, AMC is not the only... Every network has a, a broadcast standards department, and every network has its own rules about what you can and cannot put on the air. And it's not just a bunch of folks trying to be, you know, a bunch of supercilious folks trying to, you know, impose their will, you know, on, on every TV show out there. It's 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 a very real issue that every network has to deal with. Yeah, just, just in this. a nutshell, there's a certain well, there's kinds carriage, of licenses. Yeah, there's that, carriage contracts yeah. that, that AMC and other networks have. FCC doesn't cover cable operations, mm-hmm. uh, but now uh, ad-supported cable, of which uh, we're a show on, on an ad-supported cable network, has carriage fees with certain, uh, you know, big Time Warner and Comcast, all the big companies, and they... AMC is required uh, by their existing contract to deliver a TV-14 show. They'd love to be able to deliver a TVMA show. I know I would, too. Uh, we are not allowed to contractually with these big companies. AMC could literally get sued if uh, they lap too far over into TVMA territory, not because they want to censor us, and I don't feel we're being censored in any way, shape, or form, but in certain words we can't use, can't show nudity, uh, really explicit sexual nudity. Anyway, you know, a lot of rules and regulations and stipulations and whatnot, all of it uh, in order to deliver on their contract with the big companies and not get sued. But it leads to some kind of weird and arcane rules and regulations, and we abide by them as best we can. But all, for all the folks out there who wonder why last season we had, you could say shit one minute, and then you had to dip it the next minute, it was because we had a certain number of them in an hour. Yeah, and, and the other uh, thing, too, is, um, you know, AMC re-airs our show, so after 10 o'clock, they're okay to do a certain number, yeah. and then if it airs before, something like so that. So they said, absolutely, no more dipping, bleeping, yada, yada, yada. We don't like that aesthetically. It's uh, people, it annoys people, it bumps them. I, t- I disagree. I, I think it, I think it really bumps people if you say, oh, fudge, Yeah, exactly. You. And then yeah. Uh, when, when it does you know, eventually come to DVD, it'll be in its true form. Yeah. And, I mean, this is how this is how people talk. Yeah, yeah. Especially, you know, I mean, like Jesse, this is how they talk on the street. I mean, yeah, but and I'm I think it bumps people viewers less if you dip it because they're doing the math in their head. Oh, I know what's missing. If, rather yeah. than if you have a real hardcore Tuco type dude saying, "Yo, screw you, man, <laughs> you you bad person, you <laughs> you you mother scratcher." 
you know, anyway, <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm say, saying. Suffice to say, we end this scene with basically an F-bomb. Yeah, we do. Uh, this one, uh, I just uh, felt uh, this was, this is the mother of all ways to end uh, an argument. No pun intended. Yeah, it was to say F you. <laughs> yes, no pun intended. And, and 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 it's shocking. It's absolutely shocking that mild mannered, well, for the most yeah. part, Walter White, who's talking to this very sweet woman. Who, you know, by the way, I mean, if you watch this scene, she's not a bad guy. She's not a villain. No, no she's not. She's a very sweet lady. She's honestly confused as to why he's doing and saying the things he's doing and saying. And. Uh, I, Walt is is so full of anger, so full of of just bottled down for decades, rage. It's been he's just kept bottled up for for years and years. Just and 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 just when he says you know f you at the end of that scene, it's just and and her reaction is just and she's such a good actress. I mean you just it's just really, it's really something. And and so. I said to the powers that be, and to their credit, the folks, the good folks at AMC said, uh, you know, we don't want you to dip stuff. We had this conversation about 20 times at the beginning of the season. I said, yeah, but you got to please give us this one. There's no better way to end the scene than this. Yeah. And, 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 as, and as Aaron just said, uh, this thing's going to live most of its lifespan on DVD and whatnot, and you'll see it on, if you choose to rent or buy those DVDs. Uh, hint, hint. Uh, you will, you will see all that stuff but on, even on with, uncut. Even with the the dip, it's it's still so effective. You know what they're saying. Oh it's, yeah. You know, yeah. I know you don't hear everything, but you, it's so effective. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Beyond, no, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say beyond Walt's pent up rage at that moment over what he perceives as a, a slight. Um, He's a caged animal. He's terrified that she's going to say something to his family. Yep, yep. And and I think that the combination of those things, he has got to nip this in the bud. Yep. Uh, right. No pun intended. If there is one in there, I'll figure one out later. That's a, that's but, a marijuana reference, thank I believe. Thank you. Um, but, uh, you know, that it, it, it comes from so many things for him that it just is the only way to go. Yeah, it's just the only way to go with that scene. Yeah, it really is, and so I thank AMC for letting us. Uh, and for the folks out there who don't like dipping and whatever, I I, I suggest you would you would like us using, uh, you know, PG rated euphemisms even less. <laughs> Whether you would or not, God bless you. I, I I don't like them myself. I'd rather dip stuff, but that's just me. Yeah. So you know, um, I guess two more things uh, really that we absolutely must cover in this episode is. <laughs> Is the big lie the big lie that Walt tells Skyler? Yeah. Um, very very interesting way for Walt to uh, to come clean. Well, he's got the devil's luck, Walt. I mean, he, <laughs> he he really does. They said that about Hitler. I'm not saying Walt is Hitler, but I remember watching some on the History Channel. Hitler had the devil's luck. Every time some German officer tried to kill him, he was always you know he stepped out of the room a minute too soon or this or that. Walt, Walt, oddly enough. You know, has this amazing luck <laughs> that you know, you know, it's like she she won't uh, Gretchen won't uh, rat on him. She won't tell Skyler what he's up to, and so he. But has he's got to find out. He's got to find out honestly what what she did tell him. Well, that's what that's that's him. what he does. Is very smart. Is he's like. Just say it. What does she say? You know, he doesn't offer <laughs> yeah, yeah. anything. He waits. Yeah, yeah. He's to offer, and then he spins off of that. Exactly. He's become a world class liar this <laughs> season. I mean, he really has. It's just, it's just funny because I, uh, he's still the good man somewhere inside that he always was. Right. But it's as if every episode he chips him, he himself, 
chips away at his own soul a little bit more, knocks another little piece of his soul off. That's sort of the way I've been seeing it lately. He's just, he's not trying to be evil, but he is excited to be living this illicit lifestyle. And he feels alive for the first time in his 50 years on the planet. Right. And he's, he's not as if he's trying to be evil. And he's rationalizing his behavior. Everything I do, however distasteful, I'm doing it for the benefit of my family. But as this show progresses, he's just chipping away at his own humanity, you know, inadvertently. And so, with every lie, it makes it worse. So, Aaron, tell us a little bit about uh, the hopefully now infamous ATM scene. Oh, the infamous ATM. She was insane. Uh, it, was, it was so. It, it took me back to uh, was an episode. Um, I was so, afraid you were going to say your childhood. <laughs> it took me back to my childhood. When my parents came in with an ATM machine. <laughs> they just hijacked. <laughs> Couldn't open it. Took you back to. Uh... No, it took uh, for the, the the first season. Was it uh, episode three? When we uh, were cleaning up the melted body. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. right. Yeah, and, during, you know, during that episode, you know, 102 or episode 3, um, just cleaning up the, the gory mess was, uh, it was disgusting. Both Brian and I were, you know, kind of feeling a little nauseous and dry heating. And, I mean, you really feel like Seriously? You, you really were? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. wow. I mean, you had we, to have the mask just, on, too. You know, at first, we're just like, wow, this is really kind of, you know, cool, like, but I mean, it, it is. It's fun. It's like it's fun to play gore, you know. Um, why? And you're like, why did it have to be real blood and beef fat? <laughs> yeah. Isn't there some and chemical? And they would pick up like they they picked up like the bone pieces. Yeah, and yeah, 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 it's yeah, gross. Yeah. And there was hair and just oh. like gelatin. It was just nasty. Piece, but piece of a tennis shoe. But what yeah, yeah. the the special effects department did is just it's it's incredible. I mean, they, they built this um, platform. Where you know it matched like the hardwood floors of the house, and then they cut out like a little hole for um, very little hole, very little hole for our lovely Spooge character to yeah. put his head in. Oh, right, well, right. that's that's yeah. what I, I did want to say. Uh, Dennis Peterson, who does our special effects, and Al Gatto, who's been uh, doing our stunts since the pilot. Both of them have been with us since the pilot. Put that gag together, and uh, the the gentleman who was Mr. Spooge's stunt double. Who was a very good double, put his head in a in a cutout, and I think he had literally a half inch clearance yeah. between his nose oh. and the machine. When when it came when, down. when the machine oh, came, no. it stopped oh, right no. right before. And the thing is, if it would have just kept going, I mean, his neck's right there. His neck was just... he he literally he laid on his back and put his head like inside of a cutout. And then they dropped the machine. Now the machine was they, they had control over it, but still the the way that the stunts had set it up was when you see it, it looks like Mr. Spoo just kind of wiggling. Yeah. But that's actually the stunt man letting the stunt coordinator know that he's not dead. Ah. They said when it goes down, slap your hand and we'll know you're okay. If you don't slap your hand we're going to pull it up. Now, and you guys yeah, we're find Wait, let, let me ask you this wow. though. So it was a real it was a real it, it, this was no little cardboard prop. No, correct. no, no. That I mean, correct. and right when it fell, they had like these little, you know, when they released all the blood. There was actually a, a tube inside of the inside ATM. of the machine yeah. that spurted the blood, which didn't always work. Didn't always work. <laughs> no, the first time we did it, there was just all this preparation. It's a lot of stress. Okay, okay, we're trying to make our day, 
And I mean, I think we were already like over. Um, that we're day, over. that, that night was so unbelievably we're stressful. Over, so you don't have to think. Um, and so uh, we're like, okay, and we're gonna do it. You can say that with confidence. We were definitely. Yeah, yeah. We're, I don't even know what day you're talking about. We were over. But when uh, when the ATM fell, blood went everywhere, but it all went in one direction. Remember yeah. that? And yeah. it was supposed to kind of go like just spread out. And then, you know, I went through the entire scene where I kind of wiped down the ATM machine and, like, wipe <laughs> off my prints and then run out. And, like, and then I look and I see where, like, all the blood is. And I was like, oh, no, we're going to have to do this again. Do again. And so they have to clean everything up. And the stunt man. Yeah, and the stunt man. Back the biggest to square part, one. Because that blood, that fake blood, doesn't matter if fake or real. That stuff takes a while to clean it up. It does. Yeah. It's yeah. sticky. It's yeah. gross. Yeah. Like, Everything has to be the same. <laughs> yeah. But that yeah, was, yeah. Uh, I believe, let me think. Yeah, that was Vince Gilling's idea to drop an ATM machine, wasn't it? Why did it was I, also I, my I, idea not to be there that night. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that such I a hard thing Bahamas. for me to believe? <laughs> I was drinking it. Fruity drink. Oh man! <laughs> no, I was working, but I was here. I was back here anyway. It's every once in a while in the writers' room, somebody usually Vince will say something, and everybody will just go, "Oh no!" <laughs> and that's when we know we have something good. There you go. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! Well, I hate to do this, gentlemen, but this is gone on a lot longer than I think we all planned, but I'm sure everybody out there will enjoy it. Hey, it's um, got Aaron Paul in it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm really, be good. really, really happy to have Aaron and Jay and, of course, Vince with us today. Um, thank you guys very much for coming. Yeah, of yeah. course. Uh, join us uh, next week when we reconvene again. We'll be talking about episode number 207, which is titled Negro y Azul. It was written by um, John Scheiben, and it was directed by Felix uh, Alcala. Felix Alcala. So uh, thanks again, you guys. Uh, This was episode 206, written by Jay Roberts and Vince Gilligan, and directed by Peter Medak. Yeah. Thank you. uh, Thanks, Kelly. Good job. Thanks, you guys, and uh, let's go break bad.